0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Standing high on a hill on the banks of the Ohio River, looking across at the state of Kentucky, history was coursing through my veins, filling me with a sense of time past and time present. As both crowded my heart and mind, I was swept up in the historicity of the ground on which I was standing, and the purposeful sense that the holy work that took place there is and must continue. I was in Ripley, Ohio at the Reverend John Rankin House, home of an underground railroad conductor in the 30 years leading up to the Civil War, who is one of my ancestors. I stood at the window where he left a lantern burning when it was safe for escaping slaves to cross the river. He and his sons waited on the other side, ready to risk their lives as slave catchers chased their prey into and around the woods, hiding, ducking bullets, dodging, snarling dogs, They safely guided over 2,000 slaves to freedom, not losing one to death or capture. He also wrote and organized the letters on American slavery written in 1836 to his brother Thomas who owned slaves, not only changed his brother's heart and mind forever, but those of many inside and outside his community. With a bounty on his head and an attempt to burn down his family home with his wife and 13 children inside, Rankin continued unabated, literally helping to change the course of history. The steps leading up the hill to the Rankin house are widely known as the 100 Steps to Freedom. Just one more step. I can hear the escaping slave saying between ragged breaths, just one more step. I'm almost there. One more step. In our reading from the Gospel of Matthew this morning, Peter is asked to take one more step, a step based on the belief that Jesus will protect him. A step based on faith, a step based on trust. The disciples are in trouble. Their boat has been battered by waves throughout the night, far from land and against the wind. They know that danger surrounds them on all sides and fear they'll never make it to shore. But into that very real and present danger comes Jesus, saying... Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Yes, Jesus is walking on water. Let's get that out of the way. Is he or isn't he? Is this reality or is it metaphor? I'm not sure it matters. What does matter is that into the disciples fear and panic comes Jesus calm, ever-present, reassuring. It is in the midst of that fear that Jesus beckons Peter to come, to trust in him, to not be afraid, to take one giant step. Peter follows. And for a moment, Peter is walking on water. But what happens? Peter is a lot like many of us, I suspect. He becomes frightened, or a better translation, I believe, is afraid. Peter is afraid. Can Jesus really get me to the other side? Can I trust him? Can he really save me and my buddies in the boat? Mm, I'm not so sure. And in that moment of fear and doubt and lack of trust, Peter plunges into the water, screams out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and saves him. Imagine the trust also that escaping slaves had to have in the underground railroad conductors, many of whom were white, with every fiber of their being telling them not to trust any white person but they do. They put their lives in their hands and they take that life-saving and life-changing gigantic step. And one of the slaves even walked on water. Truth. The story of Eliza and Uncle Tom's cabin is based on a true story that took place at the Rankin House. Okay, the water was frozen when she crossed the ice flows of the Ohio with her baby in her arms, but It was water. Imagine the faith, the lack of fear that took, like the disciples in their boat tossed to and fro, the slaves in a conductor skiff or swimming, all had only one thing to cling on to, their faith that God, that Jesus, would be there to save them. Of course, in the time of the Underground Railroad, as today, Jesus is not physically there to appear, reach out his hand, and save the countless number of people who need saving. Or is he? There's a well-known poem attributed to St. Francis, St. Teresa of Avila, that has long been one of my favorites. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth, but yours. Most of us are not called to literally risk our lives for the work of freedom, as did the Rankin family and many other brave souls throughout history and in our own time. But as Christians, we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ in our world right now. Just yesterday, many clergy, including a number of Episcopal priests, were exactly that. In Charlottesville, Virginia, into the midst of a white nationalist rally that turned violent and was filled with Confederate flags and Nazi flags and hate speech, the clergy joined hands and took one step, and then another, and then another in silent protest, and in witness to the power of love over hate. They stepped down in faith, calm, present, reassuring, and unafraid, the hands and feet of Christ on earth. There is obviously still a great deal of work to be done today. Much more in this and in other areas. As you here at Calvary so well know, many around our world today are victims of prejudice, are enslaved and trapped in multi-generational poverty with no hope of escape. But you and I hold the key programs that cut at the heart of the systemic issues surrounding poverty, do enable many people to escape its grip. Nelson Mandela has written education is the most powerful weapon we can use to change the world. Yes, it is. Yet I find in our common work, and it is our work together of building Good Shepherd Academy in Cameroon, West Africa, that it isn't always easy. In fact, it's probably never easy, with many obstacles to overcome, like having to hire a guard to sleep with the bulldozers so the parts don't walk off in the middle of the night, like dealing daily with real cultural differences in the understanding of the most basic of things. Like not being able to communicate for weeks because the internet and the phones are down. Like our builders sharing hammers and shovels with 15 other people because that's the only system they know. Even when we send them more hammers, they share them like that. Obstacles. Reverend John Rankin faced them Many clergy faced them yesterday. My colleagues at the Good Shepherd Foundation and I faced them. And I'm sure you face them as well. For whenever there is a force for good, for love, for care in the world, there is often an equal force pushing back against it. That can feel overwhelming at times. Some would call that the force of evil. Others, the force of a fear of change, but it is a force nonetheless. In those times, I find myself mystically one with those I am called to work with and for. Just one more step. Just one more step, I say to myself knowing that Jesus is right there with me, knowing that Jesus can still the storm and calm the waters, knowing that love will win in the end if only I, like Peter, can set aside fear and have unwavering faith. One more step to freedom. Up the steep hill, to Reverend Rankin's house, around the park and the block in Charlottesville, halfway around the world in Cameroon. How are you called to join the parade?